Hello everyone, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <clears throat> and um, those of you who identify as other things and children of the world, um, this, this is episode 81 of the Gut Wrench Podcast, but before we get started, I never thought in a million years that Don Callis would do what he did nearly a week and a half ago, or two weeks ago, when he turned his back on Kenny Omega. And John Moxley won the cage match that they had. Um, that was news to me. That, you know, even in this industry, in this business, and I want to say that I've been in this business a long time because I have not only as a viewer not only as a as a um someone who you know you might not see me as someone behind the scenes and I might not have been working in my rec my recording software just froze you might not see me um, backstage or anything like that and I may or may not have been a part of any sort of wrestling <clears throat> crews or any sort of wrestling team for that matter but in a way because I've read their books because I've, I've had the opportunity to read about everything that I've read about and for that matter I mean, I haven't interviewed anyone, I haven't, you know, like, my impact in the professional wrestling world is very minimal, if anything, but I feel as though that it still, it means a lot to me, and <clears throat> especially as a, not only a viewer, not only a viewer, but also as a content creator by the way ladies and gentlemen I also put out two and whatever is in between ladies and gentlemen because I know some people get um sort of triggered whenever you try to assume their gender you know oh I'm not a woman just because I have a vagina doesn't mean anything you know I'm like okay hello Go be whatever you want to go be somewhere else. You know, don't don't bother me. You know, that's not a man or that's not a little boy. Uh, what are you talking about? He, he clearly has the genitalia of a little boy. You know, you're letting him walk around without a diaper on. I can clearly see that that's a child and is of the gender of that of being a boy. But not to some of these people. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. I do apologize. That was just a little bit of my ADHD kicking in, you know. Um, and if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast. And we've got a doozy for you today. Eight wrestling matches, if that's what you want to call them. Eight wrestling matches. And before we get started, before my recording software decides that it's a wonderful idea to, for whatever reason, um, 
freeze on me again. God damn. Can't catch a break. Promotional consideration has been paid for by the following. Can you guess who sponsored this video? This episode, rather? It's me! I sponsored this episode. So, if you can, go to the description of this episode that you're listening to this podcast on and go look at some of the designs that I've created. I said last week, I promised everyone and their mom that I would release four new designs. Well, guess guess what? I decided that it was a good idea to just stop all that weak shit, you know, put a snail on a trail and then go to hell, and then I came back stronger. Do you not understand what it is that I'm saying? That I didn't release four designs. No, I had 15 last No, I had 15 last week. I have 81 designs and counting. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I've been busy in whatever's in between a lady and a gentleman. Trans people and everything else. Anyway, I've been busy. And then I found something out. I was talking to a friend of mine and then told him that I hate drama. And then he sort of called me out. Hey, what do you mean you hate drama? You like professional wrestling. And then I'm like, yeah, so what's that going to do with anything? When was the last time that a, dra- a drama-filled storyline uh, pulled you in and had you watching every so often, every so, you know. And then we, we had a good back and forth. And then eventually he accused me of saying, he was like, oh, you like Steve Wilkos, don't you? Oh, I bet you like Jerry Springer. You can't say that you... You like drama or anything. So we had to come to the consensus that apparently I do like drama and I love to stir drama up. So, with that being said, I would appreciate it if um, I would go ahead and stir some more drama up by saying, Did you look at the merchandise yet? And if you haven't, did you look at the YouTube channel yet? Because I uploaded two, count them, not one, but two. One of them's like a musical number sort of thing. I did a musical um, whenever I was in high school, they finally found the footage of it. I'm joking, by the way. Um, but one of them's like a remix mashup of... Either you can say that it's a mashup of Io Shirai's theme song, or you can say that it's a mashup of uh, TJ Perkins' theme song from WWE. But either way, it's a mashup of one of the two or both of the theme songs. So... Um, Io Shirai or TJ Perkins, no matter how you look at it. It's a remix of both of their theme songs. And then, six hours later, I went to look and see how many views that it had, right? Because I was like, at least, it's gotta have at least 20, 25, you know. Because the one that I did with The Rock, that one got over 1,700 and counting. But, um, what I mean to say is... <clears throat> Don't worry, we're going to start the, the episode soon. You know, I'm just giving you guys a little bit of insight as to what I've been doing outside of the podcast because I've been a busy, busy boy and I started a new, um, something else that's new, which maybe you've already checked out the YouTube channel. If you haven't, 
um, you should do that now. Because I will leave a link in the description for those of you who are unaware of my YouTube channel and all of its makings. But I came back six hours later to that remix that I just mentioned and it has a copyright strike on it. Which I thought was funny because I did everything that was appropriate to stop that from happening. I literally said in all caps under the description of that video... The music does not belong to me, but the remix was my idea. Because, of course it was my idea. I didn't steal it from anywhere. Didn't go online. That's a one-of-a-kind idea. Nobody thinks but to put someone like Io Shirai theme song in with someone like TJ Perkins. Nobody else thought of that. That was me. I didn't steal any sort of idea. Here's to you. Here's looking at you, Bill Gates, who apparently stole the idea of Microsoft. I don't know how he stole it. Someone told me that he did, but that's not the point. I'm not about to call out Bill Gates. I challenge you to a wrestling match. You know, I mean, he's an old man. Who cares? <clears throat> I'm not Logan Paul. What do I look like, Logan Paul? And for those of you who don't get that reference, um, Logan Paul challenges people to boxing matches, but... He challenges people who, he's like, oh yeah, well, I bet you I can beat you, Gordon Ramsay, in a in a boxing match. Why don't you square up and get in this ring? You know, like, he's challenging celebrities who aren't even boxers. They probably wear briefs. Okay, I'm sorry, that one was, I can hear the crickets now. Anyway, I did a new series on my YouTube channel, and it will continue. I've actually got one video uh, up, and I've got another video that's ready to go. It's just not going to get uploaded for another two or three days. The one video that I have done is about failure and how to cope with it. And that gave me another idea to do another video on how to cope or how to find a coping mechanism rather so I'm taking all of my psychology insight and some of the um you might not you might not know this about me workout Robert mocha whatever diva blood dxd whatever handle you want to use for me you might not know this about me, but I actually took a class for advanced communications. So, I mean, it hasn't helped me any, and I don't have, like, a certificate for it or anything like that. But I feel as though that whenever I'm in a job interview, whenever I tell them that, that they're supposed to respect that I've taken a class three to four days a week um, about two or three years ago, for advanced communications. But they always, they're always like, hmm, well, that's very nice. Yes, that's very, that's, that's something that you felt was appropriate to bring up during the job interview. Why? You know, because we don't look at advanced communications. What we look for is someone that's not you. Okay, thank you so much. And then they'll look you in the eyes, right? I, I hate this part right here. 
look you in the eyes, they'll shake your hand or give you a hug, and then they'll say, we'll call you. You don't call us. We'll call you. And then you never hear from them. Why can't you just tell me that I don't have the job, you know? Like I said, this is no not sour grapes from, like, Walmart or anything, but it's just stupid. That's that's all that it is, is stupid. I'm sorry that we're 12 minutes in and I've yet to get to the program, you know. I do apologize for that. <clears throat> the fuck? My phone keeps getting very hot and I don't know why. The show opens and it starts with nursery rhymes. Oh boy, nursery rhymes. So, for those of you not aware, they keep showing this um, almost like... We're looking at Lockdown 2005 from uh, TNA Impact Wrestling, by the way. But they keep showing these wide shots of this steel cage. And no one's in the cage. But they keep showing, like, flashbacks, almost like screen effects, doing, like, flashbacks from, like, uh, prior steel cage matches of of uh, TNA Impact history, I'm going to assume. And... Not only that, but they keep just going back to those, oh my god, and it's the most barbaric thing that you've ever seen in a wrestling ring. You know, just piling it on just with the uh, pockets full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. And then little girls laughing in the background. <laughs> Almost like some ominous, you know, the... 1950s uh, horror film or something. I could be wrong. It could be like 1960s, 1980s. I don't know. Um, the point is, it's a, it's a trope that's overused like a whole lot, you know. Uh, and for that matter, they keep uh, like the cages surrounding the ring and the narrator in this hype package. Uh, of the steel cages saying stuff like if it had the gift of speech it would say keep away from me you are not welcome and <clears throat> it feeds on the souls of even the most daring men six sides of steel every warrior uh, who enters will be less of a man will be less of a man when he leaves uh, the classic trope in professional wrestling that the match will change you or the structure will change you for for the uh, for the worse. Like if you talk to Mick Foley and you're talking about Hell in a Cell, he always talks about how it changed him and how uh, he has nightmares of it and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's a wrestling trope that he would constantly rip from or whether or not that's an actual thing like he would lay down at night and actually have you know nightmares of uh steel cages you know trying to enclose him or or whatever else but you know the classic trope of like when John Cena was going for his first Hell in a Cell match, you know, and then the the legend would walk up to him and then say, I gotta tell you, John, you don't know what you're getting into. I've been in five of these matches, I'm 59 years old, and I'm missing my bottom teeth, 
my wife don't call me no more. You know, it's like, why with all these layers? And for those of you who don't know, like I said before, eight wrestling matches, and they're all cage matches, okay? This is possibly the episode that broke me. This is possibly the episode that made me say, okay, can I please go on to the next episode? Because there's something in professional wrestling known as overbooking, right? And this is a prime example of that. Because there's possibly only one great wrestling match out of all eight of these matches. And one for eight is not good as far as ratios go. Only gave one match, a four out of five star. <clears throat> Beautiful contest, and luckily it was their main event. Because had it would have been the opening contest, you know, it would have been just all downhill from here. The opening contest, though, is a tag team match, and right from the get-go, I thought to myself, this is a bad idea. Never put, and out of all the video games that I've played Before I get to my original thought, you know, all of the video games that I've played that have been wrestling video games, they always have this common trope in them where if it's a tag team match in a steel cage or, for that matter, in an enclosed area like a steel cage or a hell in a cell, both wrestlers who represent that team are present. You know, they're Standing side by side, one, one, um, shit, one side of the ring and then the other side of the ring is where the other team starts, you know, and then the bell rings and then it's a two on two, not in this case, and someone got hurt because of it, um, in this case, you had to wait they were trying to treat it like it was a normal tag team match, you know? And you can't you can't do that. Especially in a steel cage. Because somebody's going to get smushed. Somebody's going to get hurt, and that's exactly what happened. Chris Candido um, broke his leg. And you know how your shoes... Look at your shoes right now, and you see how they're sort of curved at an angle. His foot went the opposite direction. Whenever you see his, his foot get broke or his, his leg get broke, it got torn, broke. Almost like there was, it was pointing in one direction and then it went to that opposite direction. So if his left foot was like, it's it's hard to explain unless you actually seen what what happened and for me I didn't exactly see what happened <laughs> but all I seen was his foot go from being on one side of him to it's almost like he had two left feet but apparently he broke his leg anyway I'm going to get straight to the straight to the match it says uh right before we get to that though in a demonic voice to close the um <clears throat> to close the hype package it says god have mercy on their souls 
every match will take place will take place inside of a steel cage. You would figure that <clears throat> you would figure that as a wrestling fan, I would be ecstatic, if not, you know, electrified uh, about the fact that every match uh, here tonight will be in a steel cage. But in reality, um, I got to think that that's the most stupidest decision that's ever been made in a wrestling company. I can understand maybe one cage match, but not every match has to be a cage match. Just because the name of the pay-per-view is called, quote, Lockdown, it doesn't mean anything. That you only could have made your main event a cage match, and it would have been justified for the name of the pay-per-view to be Lockdown. Um, there's a part of me that is very excited because there's possibility that there could be six to eight cage matches tonight. Uh, <clears throat> I never counted uh, how many matches there are uh, on the card. Well, they told me, just so you know. But my notes, I'm reading directly from my notes right now, for those of you wondering. But um, I never counted how many matches there are uh, going into this. But at the same time, there's uh, something called overbooking. And I feel like this is a prime example of doing just that, as I previously stated <clears throat> uh, you're also 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 running the risk of uh injury a lot of people on your roster uh being in a cage match is a very dangerous matchup i could make i could maybe understand uh could maybe understand one cage match uh maybe two but not three to six uh to more than that usually makes a pay-per-view or for that matter a wrestling card uh look good is the variety of different matches uh that you have on a wrestling card i chose this pay-per-view by random chance so uh there's not any going back now <clears throat> and just trying to pick something else. I mean, I was halfway through my notes whenever I decided to make the commitment, and that was last night. From 10 o'clock until like 3 o'clock in the morning, I stayed up all night watching this pay-per-view so that I would have my notes ready for around 9, 10, 11 o'clock, you know. But anyway, uh, Mike Tenay and Don West on commentary count that there will be eight matches so that's a full booking card for a wrestling event that's a three-hour show and i'm going to try to condense it into one hour for my podcast and i'm already almost a half an hour into this show and we haven't even got to the first contest <clears throat> they have a cameraman joining the cage <laughs> make it a he uh made it a point to let us know the viewers at home that uh, he is well protected with headgear and everything. And my thought on the situation is an unsafe working environment. TNA is just asking for a lawsuit at this point. They practically want the cameraman to get smushed between the cage and the wrestler. And for that matter, maybe the cameraman's in the wrong spot. you got to count. This is a tag team match, ladies and gentlemen. That means that there will be possibly four men in the ring at the same time. 
two representing each team, one referee, and one cameraman, according to what they said, but this is the only time that the cameraman actually gets to, you know, they they actually put inside of the that they actually put a cameraman inside of the cage. <clears throat> As Chris Candino and Lance Holt uh, versus Apollo and Sonny, I cannot pronounce his last name. It's S-Y-O-K-I. At least I hope that I pronounced or that I spelled it right. They had a cameraman join the cage. Uh, they made it a point to let us know, at least the viewers at home, that he was protected with headgear using everything uh, in this situation, unsafe working environment. <clears throat> so my thoughts on the situation was why can't they, and we'll see this later, but why can't Impact Wrestling do what WWE does, and that is to buy a camera on a crane. If they would buy a camera on a crane, then they wouldn't need the use of so many cameramen. They could actually almost remotely, or for that matter, put or for that matter, put it on a drone or something. It's some sort of drone that just hovers across the arena, or one or two drones, and use those buttons that your cameraman has, or that your producer has in the truck, to switch up the camera angles or, or something. I feel like I would make a great producer for a wrestling show or for that matter, a writer. I, I could see myself doing like a six month, um, booking of like two wrestlers that I really feel passionate about, provided that not a one of them quits or anything like that. Just a classic heel versus face trope. And in, in this right here, it was hard to tell who the heel or who the face was because I'm not particularly I I'm not at all don't <laughs> I'm having trouble uh, expressing myself here but I don't know who who these people are and it's a good thing that this is their opening contest this is their warm-up matches because if this was like you know their mid card it, the people would probably be like, uh, who are these people? Anyway, Chris Candido ends up breaking his leg, and I guess they had to call an audible and um, <clears throat> have Apollo and Sonny end up winning the match. Um, and Sonny had some really, really good technical wrestling. I mean, I'd never seen him before, but <clears throat> he had some really good uh, technical wrestling. About four minutes into the match, though, something happens to Chris Candido's leg, and they tell us later on in the program that he did break his leg. They just don't specify how or, you know, in two places. Did he did he break it? Did he fracture it? Did he hurt his leg? You know, like, you got to be more specific there, buddy. But the commentary will not let us know. Not even three minutes into the first contest, and... <clears throat> We do have a camera on a crane because they're uh, taking several wide shots outside and above the steel cage. So what's the point in having a cameraman inside the steel cage? It makes little to no sense. Uh, he could be outside the steel cage and unsafe work environment reasons is why I would, you know, 
is why I would go about saying that. <clears throat> but other than that, Sonny with a great deep arm drag um, around the first half of the match. Uh, picture perfect uh, and looks good on the drop kick too. I don't know how a man that big like Sonny looks like he's around 200, maybe 235 pounds. I don't know how a man that big actually gets up and does the, the vertical leap. It's almost like he was on a trampoline and he got super height and he got up in this man's face with that drop kick. Lance Holt really reminds me of Test. He's got the tattoo that I remember uh, that he had. Um, <clears throat> and it looked like that he had the tights too with the cross on his pants leg. You'll all remember Test as like the uh, unfortunate uh, ex fiance of Stephanie McMahon if that's what we want to call him I guess we'll go back and look at that uh, do a retrospective on that storyline even uh, Don West uh, probably in the heat of the moment calls a moonsault a quote backwards moonsault well Don most of them are backwards I I'm just going to let you know right now that whenever you do a moonsault you're not doing it frontwards otherwise that's uh I want to assume that that's either a frog splash, a crossbody, a, uh, I mean, if your opponent's standing up, then it's, it could be a crossbody. It depends upon where your opponent is, but don't, <clears throat> don't call it a backwards moonsault. Most of them are performed backwards. An avalanche German release suplex, uh, he flipped him like an egg. And this was once the match was over. Uh, Chris Candido, about four and a half minutes into this match. Uh, yeah, you, he broke his leg, already said that. Uh, and then we get a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, that Sonny and Apollo uh, take the victory. Like I said before, I, I probably shouldn't have talked about this match as much as I did. Because... So the only match that we've talked about, we're only halfway through, but uh, this match wasn't that, it wasn't that good, but I still gave it two and a half out of five stars just because of uh, Sonny's performance. Dusty Rhodes standing uh, by with the results of the first two picks of a match called Lethal Lockdown. It sounds like a lip off. Uh, Sounds like a ripoff of the Elimination Chamber by the way that the American Dream, um, like, the way that he sort of talks about it. Did I just say talks about it? Like, what am I, New Yorker? <clears throat> uh, makes it sound... So the first two picks of the match are Jeff Jarrett and Sean Walkman. A uh, promo package, Dustin Rhodes challenges Team Canada's Bobby Roode uh, to a match, uh, saying something along the lines of, there's never been a Texan that's been beat by a Canadian. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes uh, further says, uh, this ain't his first rodeo, and even though Bobby Roode is tougher than Nels, he's going to be more tough enough to take him down. And then Bobby Roode just comes out of nowhere. He interrupts him. He's got Team Canada behind him. You know, he's got Scott Demore. He's got uh, this other guy they keep calling Double A. 
or A1, I'm sorry, not double A. Um, double A is Austin Aries. Or Arn Anderson, A double is Austin Aries. <clears throat> anyway, anyway. Um, he interrupts the interview and lets Dustin Rhodes know when it comes to rodeos, every time that he's watched a rodeo, all he's seen is a redneck being thrown off of a bull, and you got the wrong you got it wrong, Dustin. I'm not tougher than nails, but I'm damn sure tougher than a bull. Two out of three falls, uh, Prince of Darkness deathmatch in a cage. This is exactly what I was talking about. Whenever I said overbooking, oversaturation, this is a cage match. Two out of three falls, deathmatch, Prince of Darkness match. What the f- So whenever I heard that, I thought to myself, Self, I should just maybe scrap these notes. Maybe go ahead and watch a different wrestling contest. Because as much as I like Dustin Rhodes and as much as I appreciate Bobby Roode, which, by the way, they keep calling him the powerhouse of Team Canada, which doesn't sound right at all, because I've, under my own umbrella here on the podcast, I've had a... At least one 5 out of 5 star Bobby Roode match that I can recall where Roode almost out-wrestles, if not keeps the pace, to one Kurt Angle. And to me, he's no powerhouse. That man is a technical wrestler. He is a technical wrestling machine. He is known as the it factor of professional wrestling for a reason, and it's not because he's big, bald, and got a whole bunch of muscles. Anyway, I'm getting off topic and a little bit flustered because... Just let let me say that one again. <clears throat> a two out of three falls Prince of Darkness deathmatch. So at this point, I wrote down here on my notes... I'm sorry, but this is this a meme? Am I about to be punked? It, is Ashton Kutcher, you know, in my living room right now? <clears throat> there is no way that there is three, possibly four gimmick matches in one match. Prince of Darkness, Deathmatch, two out of three falls in a steel cage. Are you fucking joking? And then I wrote here in, like, little italics, or, you know, the little parentheses. You can't make this shit up. And I'm serious, you can't. And once again, like I said, they refer to Bobby Roode, Robert Roode, as the uh, Team Canada's uh, powerhouse, which I don't agree with. If Team Canada had a powerhouse, it would be that uh, other guy, that A1 guy. It wouldn't be... um, It most definitely would not be. Well, I know that it wouldn't be Scott Demore. Is he's he looks like Humpty Dumpty. Um. I I, I don't know. It, Dustin Rhodes versus Bobby Roode in a Prince of Darkness death match in a cage. Two out of three falls. Rude gets the first ball early on. A USA chant uh, directed toward Team Canada's captain, uh, Scott Demore, 
who uh, seems to be getting upset at the crowd for chanting that because they're a Canadian, there's a Canadian in the ring. You know, of course, that being Bobby Roode, he's from Canada. I'm not sure which part of Canada. <clears throat> Hits Roode with an electric chair drop, a move that I haven't seen typically. The last time that I did see that move, as a matter of fact, fun factoid, was in a video game uh, for the Nintendo 64 called WWF No Mercy. And I used to use it as my finishing maneuver from uh, whenever I would hit my opponent from the back. Don't. Okay, you nasty. That's not what I said. I didn't say that I would hit my opponent from the back, you know. But whenever I had my finishing maneuver and I would grapple my opponent from behind. Oh, never mind. Y'all are thinking about, you know, sex positions. I know, I know what you're thinking about. Oh my god. Shit. Hits Rude with an electric chair drop, which is a move that I haven't seen for a long time. Um, beautiful bulldog from the top rope. Uh, Rude hits Dustin with a German suplex. He flips that boy like an egg. <clears throat> and now the score is tied one and one. And under the pretense, this is where that Prince of Darkness dog shit comes into play under the pretense that the match gets tied one and one and they have to go to the third fall the third fall was apparently a quote prince of darkness match so how do you what what's a prince of darkness match might be what some of you are asking well for some reason they bring out these burlap sacks and Bobby Roode gets his entire head covered in like this this cloth, almost like he can't see anything. I don't know why they couldn't have used a blindfold, but why would you want to blindfold two men that are in a wrestling ring and have them fight? It's it's fine. Let me take a deep breath. Anyway, Dustin Rhodes gets blindfolded too, even though they they put the cloth over his whole entire head it's almost like one of those uh royal crown bags you know crown royal bags or whatever they're called but anyway what ends up happening is just a whole bunch of fuckery a whole bunch of shenanigans and it's so funny and entertaining but uh, like i said shenanigans the referee is there. Um, he sees Team Canada grabbing or giving them the flag. Scott Demore gets involved. Uh, he whacks somebody. It's 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 funny, but it's not funny. You know, like it's the whole "Hey, look, I'm blind. I can't see anything," and then. <clears throat> The bags came out, and earlier I talked about how unsafe work environment, well, they gets turned up to 11, because now both men are wrestling in a ring, in a, in a cage, a wrestling cage, uh, with no one but a referee and their opponent, and they've got a burlap sack over their head <clears throat> that's been tied so that they cannot uh, see see out of it I, I guess 
out of all reality, this is stupid, this makes no sense, a Prince of Darkness deathmatch is, is what they call it, and it seems a little unnecessary, um, a lot of shenanigans, including Scott Demore uh, trying to throw a chair into the ring to give to Bobby Roode to give him an advantage, uh, it ends up backfiring because Dustin Rhodes grabs the chair, hits Bobby Roode with it, uh, keep in mind he is blindfolded, or he's supposed to be. So I don't really know, like, can they see out of it, you know, and is this all just a, a ruse? Maybe it's got some sort of, like, you ever, like, been, like, some cloth you can see through, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Of course you do. I'm going to suspend my disbelief for a minute and assume that my audience knows what I'm talking about. <clears throat> A lot of shenanigans. Scott Demore um, hits Bobby Roode with it. Uh, keep in mind he's blindfolded uh, throughout the entire match. Well, the second half of the match, I gave it three out of five stars. Uh, the crowd's going crazy. They're they're happy. Of one of two things: they're either happy that the Texan uh, Dustin Rhodes ended up winning over the Canadian. Uh, Robert Rude, Bobby Rude, because, you know, Canadians are evil. We don't like Canadians around here. Um, not around these parts. We don't like no Canadian. <clears throat> you know, because just because you're a Canadian doesn't mean that you're an automatically evil person, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I've met plenty of good Canadians in my life. Uh, the crowd's going crazy. They're either happy that this stupid match is over or they're relieved they're they're happy that Rhodes won Shane Douglas interviews the uh, X Division champion uh, Christopher Daniels where his opponent uh, for the match interrupts the interview by telling him uh, he better not underestimate him or else he's going to pay for it and Christopher Daniels doesn't even get to finish his his thought, what what it is that he was trying to say, and you would figure as a champion that, and this is Daniels before he was like, and that's the prophecy written by the fallen angel, you know, or whatever it is that he, he would say, I know that he didn't, he would say gospel, that's the gospel written by the fallen angel, I don't know why I said prophecy, I'm stupid, I'm, I'm losing my, <clears throat> I'm losing my shit. Shane Douglas interview. Okay, I already said that. <laughs> Michael Shane, honestly, my first impression of him is that he looks like uh, Tyler Breeze. Okay, so we go to our next cage match, which is a four-way. Yes, a four-way. Um, <clears throat> where the rules are as follows: the first two falls in this match will be determined by pinfall or submission. Once we get down to the last two wrestlers in the ring, so it's sort of an elimination style match, um, once we get down to the last two wrestlers in the ring, it will be decided who will win via escape. So in order to win the match, you have to eliminate two other wrestlers via pinfall and or submission. And then after that, you're going to have to climb, scale the cage, and then climb down the other side in order to win by being the first person to escape the cage, your feet must touch the ground. They say all that 
holy crap. And they make sure that you know it. Two men wrestling in the ring at one time, even though it's a four-man match, um, <clears throat> it's sort of a tag team match, even though it's not. <clears throat> because it's supposed to be a four-man match, right? But instead of it being four men at one time, Two men start the match and the other two just wait outside to be tagged in by the one of the two who are actually wrestling. I know it's it's so stupid. This could have been done so much better. Dusty Rhodes was apparently, according to Mike Tenay, the director of NWA at the time, which was the wrestling promotion that owns Impact Wrestling, that owns TNA. NWA, not the with attitude, but rather the was it the National Wrestling Alliance or was it the New Wrestling Alliance? I want to say National Wrestling Alliance or something like that. But they had certain properties um, throughout the uh, I, I don't even want maybe Tennessee area, Tennessee, Ohio, uh, Virginia, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, West Virginia area, Kentucky. Somewhere around there. I could be wrong. But um, anyway. Dusty Rhodes. I, I know that he's dead. I don't want to disrespect the, a dead person. But what in the hell. Were you smoking when you made this? Because apparently according to Mike Tenay. On this broadcast. Dusty Rhodes put this card together. Whether or not that means that he is fully responsible for everything or whether or not that means that he's just responsible for a small smidgen of anything what the hell were you smoking when you put this together anyway i'm sorry i keep getting off topic um two men start inside the ring and there's no four man action you know no four men in the ring at the same time which kind of sucks so two men wait on the outside of the cage uh behind the ropes but why? This is not a tag team match. It makes no sense um, whatsoever. But until two men are eliminated and then it comes down to the last two men in the ring, um, it ends up being a pinfall or submission until the last two are in the ring. So much action uh, happening in front of me that it's hard to keep up with. So I put that note down because I couldn't physically write all of this down i couldn't and not only that but there was a part where chris saban had um um i think it was michael shane up on top of him and he hit saban hit shane with a uh power bomb but he hit it on top of uh sanjay dutt and the superstar of the night throughout this match was Shocker. He is the Japanese sensation or the Mexican sensation. I'm not sure which one because I can't get a clear look on his face. And they, on commentary, really can't make up their mind as to whether or not he's Japanese. Oh, but he trained in Japan, in, in Japan or something like that. They keep... They won't tell me where he's from, but they'll tell me where he trained. 
<clears throat> but the point is, is that Shocker was the absolute behemoth in this match because he ha is a career highlight of a of a professional wrestler of a man a beautiful double submission spot where shocker had shane in a very unorthodox submission i'm not sure what to call it he had him uh hanging from his feet uh upside down on his head yeah it, it sounds painful i know and uh chris saban had dut in a boston Boston Crab, a uh, beautifully executed. <clears throat> what a beautiful 450 splash! Uh, the halfway point of the cage. Uh, everyone uh, keeps breaking up pinfalls, almost like they're forgetting that if there's an opponent that gets eliminated, then that be one less person that they'd have to worry about. Dutt gets eliminated first. Uh, this woman climbs in the cage and moonsaults her way. Uh, down to the three men, and it was uh, Tracy, I think her name was. Hang on, let me see if I wrote her name down. No, I don't think that I did. <clears throat> there was a woman named Trinity and a woman named Tracy, and they were chasing each other, but I don't know why they had to do that during this match. And they ended up climbing up in the cage and then getting promptly thrown out of the cage. <clears throat> uh... This woman moonsaults on top of these three men uh, whenever she hits the bottom. Uh, she hits them like a few, and they knock over like a few uh, bowling pins. Trinity gets knocked down, knocked out of the cage, and then another woman comes in, and her name is Tracy, and she gets thrown out of the cage as well. Uh, then Shane gets eliminated. Uh, Chris Saban and Shocker are the final two remaining, and Shocker ends up winning. Um no shocker there am i right but they keep talking about the fact that shocker was in an international commercial and how he's like an international superstar or something like that and it proves to be right here because i mean for an oversaturated card full of nothing but cages and different gimmicks to put and if you thought that this was something wait till we get to jeff hardy's match which i don't even know is is next or whatever but Oh, holy crap. Uh, three out of five stars. Beauty beauty of a contest. And if I didn't already give the other, the last match that we. Three out of five stars as well for Team Canada, uh, Bobby Roode. Team Canada's Bobby Roode facing off against Dustin Rhodes. <clears throat> okay, so... Okay, we get on commentary after the last match uh, over the X Division match that I just talked about. And on commentary, they tell us what the next match, <clears throat> what the next match is. And I don't. It's another uh, gimmick match. Now, you already know you have. By this point that I've been telling you three to five times, every match tonight will be contested in a steel cage. Keep that in mind as I tell you what the next contest is. Apparently, it's Jeff Hardy facing off against Raven, but there's 
just no ordinary cage match. No, like like any normal person or uh, persons would assume. No, this is a tables cage match. Okay, so let me tell you why that's a bad idea. Just let me go ahead and paraphrase what I wrote down here. Let me go on record and state that this is the stupidest idea that I've ever heard, but it keeps getting stupider by the minute. Because not only is there a referee inside of a steel cage, not only are there cameramen inside of a steel cage, not only will there be Jeff Hardy and Raven inside of a steel cage, but there will be tables, not to mention the fact that it kind of defeats the purpose to be in an enclosed area like a cage when you say that there's going to be a tables match. Out of all things, and then I wrote down again, am I being punked right now? Where's Ashton Kutcher? It could be completely different purpose to... It, it completely defeats the purpose, rather, to have a tables match inside of a cage, or for that matter, to even have furniture like a table inside of a cage. Like, what? How does that further this story? And you, in case you don't know, the story is that Raven wanted to team up with Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Hardy said, no, no, man, it's, it's all good. We don't need to team up, Raven. You know, you got your fans, and I got my fans, and I think that we're both doing pretty good, wouldn't you say? And he said, oh, okay, man, that's cool. Raven walks away, and then it shows a hype package. Like a week later, Raven hits uh, Jeff Hardy in the head with like a trash can lid or something. And then he's like, how do you like me now, Jeff? How do you like me now, you stupid son of a bitch? And then I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, you don't want to team up with me? You stupid mother... <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, there's no continuity between having a steel cage match and... Like, why couldn't you just have a normal steel cage match? Why did it have to be contested inside of a table? A, a, a table inside of a cage. Wow, even though that's never been done before. That sounds like a good idea. Maybe it did sound like a good idea on paper. But But why? And don't worry, it gets worse. Wait till you see the co-main event. <clears throat> Raven versus Jeff Hardy. This match has slowed down considerably compared to the uh, other matches that I've seen throughout the night. Uh, really is on uh, out of character. It's uncharacteristic of Jeff Hardy uh, to have a match that is really at this pace, which was really slow. Uh, the crowd's getting nuts at Hardy climbs the cage. Uh, the Hardy, uh, by himself, he puts himself through a table. He misses Raven by mere seconds and a few inches. Like, whenever he was doing it, whenever he was jumping off that cage, they played a replay of it, and I slowed it down. I kind of, like, paused it, and then you can see at the point that Raven leaves the table... Jeff Hardy was mere seconds away from winning that match. 
whenever Raven or whenever Hardy climbs the top of the cage, and what he does is, uh, Hardy does the Swanton Bomb right through. I mean, that's got to be at least 12 feet, 12, 13 feet up. I mean, their cage was kind of big. It would take at least three, maybe four Jeff, maybe three and a half Jeff Hardys to make uh, the full scale of that cage. That's just me, me measuring it with my eyes, of course. <clears throat> the crowd goes nuts by... um. Raven, who's mere seconds away from disaster. ECW chance, uh, double stacked tables. So here's what they did. They took the remaining four tables, and then Raven put one on top of the other on top of the other, and he double stacked them. So there were two tables. It's Imagine the Big Mac, right? You know, the McDonald's fucking cheeseburger, or the double stack, right? But imagine you sewed those, you sewed two Big Macs together and then you tried to eat them both at the same time. That's exactly what happened here. <clears throat> Raven got put on not one table, but two tables that were laying beside of each other. But not only two tables, two layers of tables, because there was one table at the bottom, or two tables at the bottom, and then two tables on top. And Jeff Hardy ended up winning the match, but. It's just, it, am I being punked? You know, like, what's going on here? Two and a half out of five stars. It wasn't very exciting, but for a wrestling match with a terrible gimmick, it got the job done regardless. Two and a half out of five. <clears throat> Team Canada, they're showing up again, versus America's Most Wanted. Now, as I've stated before, we don't like Canadians around here, apparently. And these Canadians are made to be out, or for whatever reason, they're made to be some of the worst that we've ever seen. And yes, the name of the team that they're facing off against for the Tag Team Championships are America's Most Wanted, AMW, made up of Chris Harris and James Storm. <clears throat> team Canada will be represented by um, Petey Williams and... Eric Young. Eric Young's come a long way from what he started as, is what I should say. <clears throat> oh, okay. So, AMW, America's Most Wanted, was voted, apparently, they never say by who, but in the opening hype package, they say, uh... 2004's Tag Team of the Year, America's Most Wanted, will face off against Team Canada. And then I'm like, well, who voted them Tag Team of the Year? Was it UTNA? You know, like, was it Dave Meltzer? A lot of people, there's a lot of people online who care about what Dave Meltzer, who care about what Chris Van, Van Voigt, or whatever the fuck his name is, who care about what... Brian Alvarez has to say the way I see it their opinions don't matter it's my opinion that matters I think so highly of myself I'm going to shut up now 
they never say in the opening hype package who voted uh, AMW America's Most Wanted, the tag team of 2004. Uh, James Storm, I almost didn't recognize him without a beard. I'm so used to seeing him without, uh, or so used to seeing him with it. That being said, <clears throat> this is going to also have a second gimmick to it because apparently. AMW, America's Most Wanted, Chris Harris and James Storm went into the office of uh, Dusty Rhodes and then they said, hey, we want a strap match with uh, Team Canada. He said, okay, it's done. Okay, well, once they get out there, apparently commentary informs us, the the viewers of the of the program, that the straps are legal. Not sure what that means until we get to the wrestling match and Chris Harris is left outside. Um, James Storm gets picked apart. Let's just put it that way. The first 25 minutes of this match is nothing more than James Storm getting his ass kicked. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Team Canada's got this 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 man that I referred to as A1 earlier because I don't know his actual name, but that's his name. The close of the match, though, for whatever reason, sees uh, Team Canada's... Like, there's a lot of shenanigans that happen in this match, okay? The referee clearly sees what it is that Team Canada does whenever they they grab an American flag and commence to beat commenced to beating uh, James Storm with it, and afterwards he doesn't call for the bell. And it brings up another question. Inside of a steel cage, and are disqualifications a thing inside of a steel cage? Like, if Ric Flair and Sting faced off against each other inside of a steel cage, and Ric Flair had brass knuckles, would he still get disqualified because it was inside of a steel cage? They never really bring that up, you know? They never really... But whenever, like, he's being choked with the rope, like James Storm, um, the referee still admonishes them. He's still like, hey, let go of him. One, two, three, four. I know I got till the five. You know, because you got till the five count before you get, I'm going to put this in air quotes, disqualified. Because it seems to me like there was no one being disqualified whenever you took America's Most Wanted's uh, flagpole and commenced to beating down James Storm with it. Or, for that matter, Team Canada's hockey stick. Or, for that matter, the uh, white powder that Petey Williams, for whatever reason, blew. He got it kicked into his own face trying to blow it into uh, James Storm's face. You see what happened was his um, plan had backfired. <clears throat> Scott Demore tried to hand him some white powder. Uh, yeah, I know, cocaine. Ha ha ha, you so funny. Anyway, it seemed to be some sort of sugary powder and um, or flour, and he got it kicked into his own face. He thought that he had his opponent, or at least one of them. He went for his finishing maneuver, the Canadian Destroyer. And when he did, he didn't realize it, but 
he just helped America's Most Wanted win the match because he just performed his finishing maneuver, Petey Williams did, on his own tag team partner, Eric Young. Yeah. So after that, um, I, I forget who took the tag, who took the um, pinfall, but... Well, I mean, I know that Eric Young took the pinfall, but what I mean is I don't know who pinned Young. Inconsistent uh, referee. Uh, each team came out with their respective flags representing their respective countries, and halfway through the halfway through the match, Team Canada got the American flag pulled down uh, from the top of the cage and started beating James Storm with it. And Team Canada, however, suffered no consequences from doing that. No disqualifications. <clears throat> yep, yep. Uh, Williams gets powdered in the face and hits his own tag team partner with a finisher. I gave it three out of five stars. Continuing that trope of giving matches here three out of five stars and claiming that they were garbage. I mean, what I mean to say is that none of them were spectacular, you know? And at times I forgot that every match has to be a cage match. That was until I get reminded of it every five minutes. The X Division Championship match shows our champion, Christopher Daniels, versus Elix Skipper. Uh, in a nutshell, Christopher Daniels and Primetime Elix Skipper were at one point in time uh, a tag team until they lost a match against AMW, America's Most Wanted. Once they lost said contest, apparently the loser of said match, this was the stipulation for the last um cage match that they faced off against AMW in the loser of that match was said to never um they can never be a tag team again is what they said <clears throat> and now former best friends former tag team partners uh have to face off in a championship match what a beautiful drop kick at the opening half of the match. Uh, Christopher Daniels, the champion, uh, for the most part of this match, finds an opening in uh, Skipper and starts to exploit it. That opening, of course, being the weakness on his shoulder and commentary just won't shut up about the, oh my God, the shoulder. He keeps attacking the shoulder. Oh, he's putting him in an arm bar. Christopher Daniels knows exactly what he's doing. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. Daniels is a smart champion. <clears throat> uh, beautiful height on that leg drop from the top rope and the fallen angel uh, with the BME, the best moonsault ever, only gets a two count. Uh, Skipper with a huge crossbody uh, from the top of the <clears throat> from the top of the cage must be like a 12 foot cage if not higher. Only got a two count, three and a half out of five stars. Once uh, <clears throat> well I put down some of the highlights, but I guess I 
forgot to put down who won the match, which was um <clears throat> Christopher Daniels. Dusty Rhodes segment again. It is time uh, for what was billed to be the main event, but instead of it being the main event, it's the co-main event because this seems to be what they've been talking about all this all night. Yeah, all night. They just been they won't shut up about it. It's the lethal lockdown match, which is very rare. This is a very rare occurrence. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time that I, as well as you, are getting a description of the lethal lockdown, at least here in my own podcast. <clears throat> Whether or not you've seen a lethal lockdown match, I'm unsure of. I can't confirm nor deny whether or not you yourself have seen one, but I myself haven't seen one, and it's very rare that I would actually come out here and say, oh yes, here's here's something that I, I know a lot about. Now I'm just going to continue to ramble about all the things that I know about it. I know about this, and I know about that, and I know a few things about this, and I know about that, and oh, let me tell you the ways that I know. You know, like, I know I can be obnoxious, and I'm sorry about that. Let me suspend my disbelief for one minute and say that WWE must have taken some liberties from this right here. This aired in 2005, and years later, WWE would come up with a similar concept. Never mind. Never mind. I'm, an, I'm a fucking idiot, because WCW did this. <laughs> They did something at the time that WWE was, okay, for some reason, I don't know why, I keep forgetting that War Games was a thing back in WCW, but it wasn't as organized. <clears throat> it wasn't in, as organized, and for those of you who don't know what War Games is, I don't have the patience, nor the time to sit here and explain that to you, but all that I can say is that this right here, Lethal Lockdown, took some liberties from that War Games that I've seen at least two matches. One of those, of course, being a woman's match, and one of those, of course, being a man's match. <clears throat> what I just got done saying now makes most of my notes null and void because I'm an idiot and I forgot that... Well, WCW must have done it first, yes, but it wasn't as organized as I said before. But I can't read off all these notes because I'm accusing WWE of stealing what Impact Wrestling already had. But if you think about it, now that WWE owns the property to WCW, it's Impact Wrestling that stole from WWE. Or, for that matter, they took some liberties from WCW. Sean Walkman and DDP versus Jeff Jarrett and the Outlaw and Monty Brown and surprise partner uh, BG James, which was otherwise known as the Road Dog Jesse James, which, of course, 
I'm assuming that they call him BG just because they didn't want to call him BJ, you know, because that would have been a funny sex innuendo joke, and they didn't want to make that because they wanted people to take it seriously. But his name is Brian James. BJ. There's your sex pun. After three minutes... Someone new comes out alternating each team member. So if you had team one and team two and team two after three minutes got another entry, then three minutes later, team one would make their way down or the next member of team one. And then after three minutes, team two would get yet another member until the the ring is saturated with nothing but I'm going to put this in air quotes talent and afterwards they would come out with kendo sticks they would come out with a whole bunch of weapons and and on commentary they're like oh okay well weapons aren't only allowed they're encouraged we encourage you to bring all your weapons and i'm just sitting there like wow you're already in a cage what more do you need Sean Walkman's Team won by a surprise roll-up pin. And I'm assuming that they had some sort of... Uh, uh, surprise. It had to be like a, hey, we're going to have to call this on, on the fly because of... Um... They were hoping that Kevin Nash would be able to compete, but he had a, a staph infection in his leg and he couldn't compete. But they would constantly use footage that showed Kevin Nash backstage and uh, he would be like, oh man, am I going to be able to compete tonight? Am I going to be able to compete tonight? Apparently not, big man. And now we go to our main event. AJ Styles versus Abyss. And this is possibly the the match that saved the entire card. If uh, I shouldn't say the entire card, but it's the match that saved this review. Otherwise, I would have just looked at a whole bunch of mediocre matches for no reason whatsoever. <clears throat> no payoff, you know? Oh, and by the way, speaking of payoff... How about you pay me off? There should be a link in the description. 80 plus designs. I don't know if I said that already, but you know how last week I said that I would do four new designs? Well, I went ahead and scrapped that week's shit and just decided just decided to do a little bit more than that. Because like I said before, I had 15 designs whenever I started. Now I've got 80 plus designs and i need you to check them out and i know that there are some people i don't know who you are but thanks to redbubble who gives me three options to look at on their user interface some people go on there and they're liking my designs you know how you can like a tweet on twitter well there's a little heart icon right beside of that design and it lets me know hey Someone liked your design, and it'll let me know how many hearts have been put there. I don't know. It's a little, 
it's a little fucked, you know, just go look at the designs, you know, that's the most you could do for me, go tweet me and tell me, hey, you're a really good artist, you know, I like some of these designs, you know, did you come up with these on your own? Get me on your Facebook page something, you know, hey, you're a woman, do you need a new pair of socks? I'm sorry that I'm delaying the end of this episode, but I'm j- I'm just asking you a question. Do you need a new pair of socks? Because I'm sure that you do, and I'm sure that you would like to have a unique pair of socks that you can show off to your children, to your children's children. Hang them on the wall. I don't care what you do with them. The only thing I don't sell is is thongs, underwear, um s- s- cigarette ashtrays um i sell aprons <clears throat> are you clicking on the link yet no. aj styles versus abyss <clears throat> there doesn't seem to be much of a story on this one uh the only story that i can really make out of it is that abyss is bullying everyone backstage and for no apparent reason, uh, he has no motivation. Usually, bad guys, the hills, they have a a motivation behind what they're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to do. You know, like I did what I did to AJ Styles because it felt good, or <clears throat> I, I was just about to try to give a good example, but I really can't think of one. Um, (laughs) but usually they've got some sort of ulterior motive, uh, Seth Rollins, for instance, for leaving the shield, he sold out, no, he bought into the authority, you gotta understand that, he bought into the authority, you know, they made him an offer that he couldn't refuse, But the only story, or poor storytelling in my opinion, uh, that there is, is that there's two men uh, who want to be the number one contender uh, for Jeff Jarrett's NWA uh, championship at the next pay-per-view, Hard Justice, which they would later um, change to Hardcore Justice. AJ starts the match off with a beautiful, uh, so the, the cage door is open. And AJ just flies straight out of the ring over the top rope. And I mean, he just forearms uh, Abyss right in the face. He brings him down to one knee by diving on top of him. <clears throat> and Abyss is like five foot three, five foot nine, maybe six foot tall. <clears throat> I don't want to say five foot three. I'm so sorry. He's taller than that. He's around six foot, if not five eleven. AJ Styles, uh, like a cat, can move and maneuver uh, out of harm's way. He dives into the crowd, and the uh, landing on his feet, essentially crowd surfing on abyss, on Uh, essentially crowd surfing when the big abyss tries to throw him into the still steps abyss makes aj bleed badly and cuts him open 
Abyss puts a chain around AJ, around AJ's neck, uh, choking him. Huge, while he's got a huge cut on his face, we get the this is awesome chance. Uh, the crowd getting, getting into the action. AJ kicks out of the first pin from Abyss TNA chance by a passionate crowd. Abyss takes a Styles Clash onto some thumbtacks, but AJ uh, gets a two count. And then after that, they try scaling the cage, right? And here comes the biggest part of the match, like the, the close of the match. They're scaling the cage, and Abyss is trying to sort of follow AJ, I guess you could say. And he's about to, whenever AJ all of a sudden, out of nowhere, almost out of nowhere, does this sunset flip. While using the cage and abyss as leverage, right? And this sunset flip power bomb uh to get to get the pinfall and the win. And I gave it four out of five stars. A lot of high flying action and it was uh thoroughly entertaining at times. It had me biting my nails and had me on the edge of my seat. And I'm out of breath. Thank you all so much for joining me. I've been Mocha. This has been the Gut Wrench Podcast. Hopefully you'll leave me a 5-star review, just like I left AJ Styles a 4 out of 5-star review, but that's only because this match wasn't It wasn't that long. You know, had it would have went longer, or for that matter, had the storytelling would have been a little bit better, I would have probably gave it a 5 out of 5 stars. <clears throat> Thank you all so much for joining me. Good night, everybody. And that's a wrap.